Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. We've gotten a lot of messages from our listeners, particularly over Instagram, asking us to cover what seems like a pretty straightforward and basic topic, also known as hygiene, but is actually a really complicated topic for parents to address with their kids. And we'll get into why it's hard to talk about it. But first and foremost, Kara, start us off with why hygiene becomes an issue. So smells, oils, hair, and so on and so forth. I won't get too graphic yet. Why is hygiene, why does it become such a hot button issue with kids who are entering puberty? What's going on physiologically that makes it this stinky, smelly, difficult topic to cover? Hi, Vanessa. You know what's (laughs) funny about this conversation? We're doing it over Zoom. Yeah. See each other from the chest up, but I can't smell you. You might smell horrible right now. I thought now. you were going to tell me you weren't wearing underwear or pants. Uh, well, or that's true. Maybe I'm not, right? The I am. Hygiene. Maybe I am. Hygiene means keeping your body clean. And some of the cues that we get from other people about their hygiene are visual, like what I can see right now of your face and shoulders and your hands, because you always like to keep your hands up in that angel clasp position, which (laughs) Which I am far from an angel, but it's good good to play pretend. And and it holds your chin up. Um, So, you know, hygiene, I can see that your hygiene is good, but I can't smell that your hygiene is good. I can't, I don't have any of those other non-visual cues happening right now about your hygiene. And so when we talk about hygiene and keeping your body clean, there's sort of the hygiene that we see. And then there are all of these much more subtle and visceral hygiene clues that cause people to react in a certain way. For instance, think back to your grade school self. I am sure there was a day when you forgot to brush your teeth before you went to school. More than one day. 
I'm just going to go with one. My mom used to, my mom used to check our toothbrushes to see if they were wet. And instead of brushing our teeth, <laughs> my brother and I used to just wet our toothbrushes and put them on the sink. Like, okay, we could have just brushed our teeth, but we but were like, is, no, this is let's, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So let's run with that. What? Right. Because your breath smelled horrible and everyone around you knew it. Okay. And no one said anything to you. And you thought you were getting away with something huge with your mom because you were fooling her. And it turns out you were getting no feedback because it's not kind to say, you your breast stinks, or maybe it's considered a form of bullying, or maybe someone would get in trouble, or maybe there was some schadenfreude there. Like people were really psyched that Vanessa had bad breath because everything else about her is perfect or whatever you want to say. But there's this whole litany of bits of feedback that come from poor hygiene. And what happens is you become, you became, you, you did not become, but you, you could have become the, the person in class who has bad breath, bad breath. So Vanessa. I just have to tell you that one of my classmates, a boy that I liked turned to me one morning in seventh grade and was like, your breath really smells. Do you brush your teeth? And it was the slightly awful and scarring comment by this person that got me to brush my teeth in the mornings. Right. So much more effective than your mom checking your toothbrush. So that's the conversation about hygiene, right? Which is the way we care for our body not only impacts the health of our body, which is from the medical standpoint, the reason why we push all these topics, but from the social standpoint, it really impacts the way people perceive other people. And it's that unfiltered feedback from the jerky seventh grader that changed your life. That was the meanest, kindest piece of feedback you could get because it was raw and it was, hey, brush your teeth because no one's going to tell you other than me. And now my kids will say to their younger siblings, like, hey, you know what, dude, like you got to start brushing your teeth because your teeth are going to get yellow under your braces or someone's going to say something to you in school that your breath smells, like you got to just like deal with it. So that's another kind of peer pressure, I guess, is the, you know, either siblings or friends or not friends saying stuff to kids. And in my circumstance, he was right. I didn't brush my teeth. My breath smelled. And by the way, I have terrible teeth. Like what business did I have not brushing my teeth? My mouth was already filled with cavities. So he was like, frankly, doing me a favor. Um, he was I, doing you a big favor. And it's got, we call it pure influence. When sorry, it comes to I'm hygiene. sorry. I grew up in the 70s and 80s where <laughs> Drugs you know, is the after pressure. school special was about peer pressure. Now it's pure influence. I will make one comment before we launch into like the various aspects of hygiene. In different cultures, there are different standards about, or not standards, but like kind of culturally accepted forms of handling body odor and things like that, right? So if you travel with your kids to other countries or you spend time with people who are from other countries or from other cultures, body odor may just be like an accepted thing and they don't use deodorant and it's not a big deal. And I, while in our society it tends not to be, I want to leave room for folks who are, you know, making other choices. Definitely. So what what we're trying to pair is sort of taking care of your body on the one hand with social judgments that impact your daily life on the other. And if the social judgments are not culturally relevant, then the taking care of your body doesn't happen in that direction. So another example, and we'll stay with smells for a second, is the smell of cigarette smoking. So there are cultures in which the smell of cigarettes on someone's breath or clothes will sort of take the smeller, the, the recipient of the smells down a certain path about what kind of person this is. Mm. There are other cultures where there's no judgment about how someone might behave in other parts of their life because they smell like cigarette smoke. So you are so correct that the cultural connection between what we consider hygiene or taking care of your body is the, the linchpin here. There are going to be things we talk about on this podcast that are completely American. Right. And one thing I would love is for listeners to share with us some of the cultural examples 
for them where hygiene standards are different. Because I think we live in a global world and the globalization of understanding bodies and transforming bodies and judgments around transforming bodies is really important. And we don't do enough of that. So I invite everyone who's listening, who has an example of, you know, living in or growing up in another culture to share with us some of the experiences they had, because we don't, American exceptionalism and American centrism isn't that helpful in these conversations. It's really interesting to hear the global experience. But that said, let's get down to hygiene. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your umbra, plus lots of other puberty info, at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. 
You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good. Me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. So I want to start with an example that we use a lot in our Dynamo Girl puberty workshops, because this is like the gold standard of things that parents struggle with, particularly with kids on the early side of puberty. And I think a lot of the hygiene stuff, not all of it, but a lot of the hygiene stuff comes up in those early days when maybe, you know, the kids start having body odor, but like it's not generally accepted in their grade that everybody uses deodorant or you haven't yet started having the conversation with your kids about puberty which since you're listening to this podcast, you are now having the conversations with your kids about their changing bodies. So my favorite example is your kid comes home from soccer practice and they just stink. Like they just stink of like raw onion. And maybe it's like your eight-year-old daughter or your 10-year-old son what does that conversation sound like? Because you're an evolved parent and you don't want to scar or shame your child and you want to be super loving, but you're like, this dude stinks and I got to get a handle on it. Like, what does that conversation sound like? I just have to make you laugh for a second. My husband went to pick up carpool after soccer practice in middle school. For our oh my son. God. Did he put like a nose, a clothespin on his nose? Okay. It was raining. Four pubescent boys get in the car and he immediately puts down all of the windows. And it wasn't just raining, it was like torrentally <laughs> pouring. And he starts driving the car and there is water flooding. Oh my God. Into the car. And he's like, I don't care. And the kids are going, uh, Paul, do you know that the windows are down? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't want to shame. He didn't want to be like, you stink. It's disgusting in here. You know, you know that, that English teacher mantra, show, don't tell. Yeah, so he was trying to show them that they smelled. Oh, bless. And what a gentle soul. He's a good man. It smelled so, it smelled so much better in the car with that moldy drying water smell that it smelled with the festering. Uh, I feel like all practice. my family's cars growing up, the Ford, not the Ford Explorer, the Chrysler um, <laughs> minivan that we had, we had had it like for like 20 years and it stank from like windows being left open. And, and now moldy. you know why. 
now, now you know I know why, because we yes. were appalling and my mom didn't want to smell it. I mean, so, it's so funny. Okay. So what does the conversation look and sound like? My conversation, and I want to hear yours, uh, my conversation- Because they're going to be different. They're going to be different. <laughs> yours is going to be so deeply empathic and like, I love you and I understand you. And mine's going to be like boring physiology. Here we go. A, yeah. So I have had this conversation with my kids many times. Smell, it turns out, is often one of the leading signs that your kid is heading into puberty. Side note, we've talked about this before. The path to body odor, which is controlled by the adrenal hormones, the hormones that are released by the adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys, those hormones tell your body to sweat more and specifically to excrete more oil in the pores. And it is the combination of more sweat and the different balance of water and oil and acidity in that fluid that causes the body to sweat more and then bacteria grow. And then it is the bacteria on our skin that eats and digests the sweat proteins. And it's when the proteins break down that you smell body odor. That's quick background physiology lesson. Okay. So we know that those adrenal hormones are not the same as puberty. They tend to rise and fall around the same time that kids go into puberty, but they are sometimes earlier and sometimes later than actual puberty. And how many years ahead of, because this is something that's come up in on other episodes, how many years before like other aspects of puberty or quote unquote real puberty? Because we, I know kids at like, you know, six and seven yeah. who are, don't develop breasts or pubic hair for a while, but like clearly have body odor. Yeah. And, and so it can be many years before. And frankly, it can be a couple of years after. This one, there is no predicting when it's going to happen because it's a different pathway through the body and it's really different for different kids. But for most kids, what we tend to see is mood shifts and body odor kind of go hand in hand. So mood shifts are a sign of puberty. Testosterone and estrogen rising and falling in the body contributes to mood shifts. And if mood shift and body odor go hand in hand, it means these two pathways are shifting at the same time. So what the converse is a very long way to get to the answer to your question, which is what does the conversation sound like? And the conversation in my house, it's so boring. It sounds like this. Hey. <laughs> um, knock, knock. It's me again. Yeah, hi. Have you taken a shower yet? Is often the way it starts. Have you taken a shower taken this a shower year? <laughs> yes. Because sometimes the answer to that is yes, and they still stink. And mm. then you can go down the path of, listen, I just want to be really honest. You have smelled better and I'm not sure that the way that you soaped up in the shower took. So I'm just going to share it with you. It's totally non-judgmental, but no one else is going to tell you. And I always will. And that's one path. The other path is, you know, a look of complete and utter disgust because of course they haven't taken a shower. They're, you know, in the sweaty clothes or whatever. And then the conversation is because it really, you know, your smell is pretty potent right now. And again, I, I love you and I'm going to tell you because no one else is going to tell you. I always end with that sentence because other than the boy in seventh grade who told you your breast smelled, you know, other than the context of someone saying something to you that's meant to be a little bit of a barb, no one is going to tell your kid about their smell from a loving place. That's why I always say like, I'm happy to share, you do you, but there you go. There you have it. That's the info. How do you do that's it? A nice, I think that's a nice framing that other people may tell them, but they won't do it from a loving place. And so we want to get there first, just like we do with a lot of stuff, like talking to them about porn or sex or anything, like better we get there first and do it from an appropriate and loving place rather than a just like deeply inappropriate or scarring comment. So how do I do it? I mean, if we had my kids on here, they could do like probably an incredibly good mocking version of me, which is something with my older kids that sounds something like, hey, do you need more face wash? Have you run out of your face wash? And, you know, which is AKA, you look like you haven't washed your face in a week. But that's like a little passive aggressive for the way I prefer to, I prefer to approach it. I think with my kids when they were younger and I was starting to smell 
body odor. It was more like, hey, I'm not sure if you know this, but early on in puberty, people's bodies start to smell different, their feet, their armpits. And it just means you have to wash those parts of your body every single day with soap and water. That's a great intro. You know, my kids being older teenagers, I skipped the intro piece. That intro is critical, educating them as to why. So I love that line. And the science that you used, right? Like explaining, I find that a lot of kids really love understanding the science behind how their bodies and brains are changing and working. And so to say to them, here's what happens. There are these things on your kidneys and the adrenal glands, and they start to tell your body to, you know, start to emit, to grow hair and emit oils. And it's the sebaceous glands, right? That emit the sebaceous glands in the skin. In yes. the skin, right. And they, that... You know what they look like, just so you have a visual, because we're going to talk about acne in a minute. Yeah. And this is an important visual to have for that. They look like little chemistry flasks. Remember those flasks with the long, oh, narrow yeah. neck and the round base? So that's what's called the pore. Right. Like the classic pore. And I feel like see, from the clear cell commercials from the 80s, is. right? Yeah. You used to they, like look at those little... They got plan. that right. Yeah. I mean, Clearasil was a disaster for a lot of reasons. We'll talk about that, but the their drawing of the gland was right. And so the pore, we see it as a circle on the surface mm-hmm. of the skin, but it's got this long, narrow tube and then a big, wide bottom. And the sebaceous gland secretes its oil into the bottom of the flask. Okay. okay. And you also make sweat, which is more water in that same pore. And so the sweat and the oil, the water and the oil are both going to rise in that flask and come out of the surface of the skin and hair grows. So one hair per pore often in these in certain parts of the body. And you can imagine the congestion that starts to happen in that pore. So that's another word. And we'll get there in a second about acne. I happen to have a passion for popping my kids' ingrown hairs. So if they're feeling really loving, they'll come to me and be like, mom, I got a really good ingrown hair for you. There might be two of us on this podcast who share <laughs> that passion. Should we do like an ancillary podcast called Popping Pimples and Ingrown Hairs? I make it totally medical. I'm like, would you like me to get my yeah, kit I, out? I, I don't get to do I don't get to do that unless I have my magnifying loops on. (laughs) My son was like, I think there's something in my ear. This is last night. I was like, step into my office. (laughs) I turn on every light in the bathroom. And I was like, and now he's so much taller than I am that he has to sit on my little makeup stool and like tilt his head so that I can. I got a text from my kids. I can't remember which one of my kids sent me a text right when they went back to school from COVID. And it was like, mom, you're going to be so happy. I have a splinter. Like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so good at splinters. It's like, really, that's actually my best talent. I keep matches in the bathroom to burn the edges of my, the ends of my tweezers for splinter removal. <laughs> no, I know where you were going with that. I comment, know, I know, I know sorry. I know. So in my house, so the science, they love, some of my kids love hearing the science. Others want me to cut to the chase. And I have a child in my house who will shower, but not use soap or shampoo. Okay. We got to talk about this for a second because if, if parents and people who love teens and tweens through adolescence take nothing else from this podcast, press play for that tween or teen so they can hear this sentence. Water does not clean the outside of your body. It rinses the outside of your body off, but you must But it doesn't kill the bacteria. The whole function of soap is to surround this kid's Oh, this love. is very cool. Okay, yeah, this they is very this. cool. So soap has, each soap particle, the molecules make up soap, have two ends. One end that's hydrophilic, loves water, and one end that's hydrophobic, hates water. And so what happens with soap is that as you lather with any soap cleanser, anything, I don't care what product it is, the soap takes a bit of oil, okay? Oil and water don't mix very well. The hydrophobic ends of the soap molecule love the oil because if they hate water, they love oil. So they surround the oil 
and they kind of make a circle, picture it like a, a circle with all of these hydrophobic ends of each molecule surrounding the oil and the dirt. And then the tail that sticks out at the other end is hydrophilic. It loves water. So it can stick outside away from the oil towards the water. Now you have this round structure made of many of these molecules, which carries away the oil and dirt. It literally, the soap surrounds and then carries away. Water itself will not do that. If you look it up, get an image, we'll try to bookmark one for our listeners to be able to point to it and show kids once they understand what the heck soap does, they will use it and they will use it every day for the rest of their life. They love that image. That's great. So play that for your kids, explain to them why they need to use soap on their feet and soap on their armpits and soap in their tushes, which I guess is not the anatomically correct term, but it feels like it should be just totally acceptable. So they need to use soap and water. And so this particular child in my house, when I explained that to him, he was surprised to hear that news and then accepting of that information. Now, does that mean he uses soap and water? And the other thing is, you know, kids' hair gets oilier based on that same physiological process, right? So oil in the skin, smell in the armpits, oil in the hair. Now, are there different (laughs) contributing factors there? Yes. So for the body, I'm not going to advertise a brand of soap, mostly because I think our producer, Brian, would be very upset with me picking just one brand. And he does soap. not anger easily. So no, producer Brian really does be transgressing. Anger easily. But I'm a big fan of soaps with no color and no perfume. The plainer, the better. Because sensitive skin can get irritated by all those additives. So the flowery, fruity, colorful soaps are... I think decorative, but they really shouldn't be used on the body. Hair is totally different because the oil glands all over the body are responsive. The more we dry things out, the more the oil glands say, oh, it's dry out there. I've got to secrete some oil and moisturize. Well, when we do that on our face or on our body, the feedback's a little more instant we can see it. We also use products like moisturizers and sunscreens with moisturizers in them that keep a little bit more moisture balance. But in the scalp, when we use shampoos that dry and strip the scalp, the scalp really has to put out a lot more oil in order to compensate for that. And so ironically, the solution to having a less oily scalp for many people, but not all, it depends on your hair type, but the solution for most is to actually wash their hair less frequently because the less frequently you strip your scalp, the less the oil glands in your scalp will say you need more oil. And so there's this tension that comes up for some kids where they've washed their hair every single day for as long as they can remember. And as they're heading into puberty and the balance of all of the sebaceous gland activity is shifting, their hair suddenly becomes really greasy. And by the time they're towards the end of a 24-hour cycle and getting ready to wash their hair again, their hair is really greasy. And here I'm telling you, well, they should extend the cycle and they should go maybe 48 hours instead of washing their hair every 24. And it does not work for every kid. However, if your child is willing to give it a try, go two, three, four weeks of every other day washing. And what you will see is that the sebaceous glands in the scalp will not put out as much oil. The hair will look less greasy, even though you're washing it less often. And shampoo choice, unlike soap choice, where I say plain, 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 shampoo choice really depends upon a lot of different variables, how thick your hair is, how curly it is, how often you wash it, what you're dealing with. There are some shampoos where kids who have eczema in the scalp mm-hmm. or really dry scalp, looks like dandruff, flakes. They right. need certain ingredients in their shampoo. The cleaner, the better, right? So I don't love all the chemicals and the parabens and the BPAs and all that. And if you can get clean products, I would get clean products. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really hard to find the equivalent of plain 
bar soap for a shampoo. Yeah. I mean, one of my kids still uses a vino baby wash because he's got eczema and he uses anything else and it's no good. Okay. So we know that there is some science. I like the way you talk about it because there's an experimentation involved in this process, right? It's like, let's try doing it this way. Let's try these products. Mary Pat, who I work with at Dynamo Girl, brought home like 10 different deodorants for her kids to try. And they tested out different stuff and she tried different deodorants and they, you know, gave them some agency and participation in it. So we like to say like, don't just do a kind of dictatorship of products, particularly around stuff like deodorant, which maybe they've never used before, like give them some ability to be part of the process and to have some say-so in what gets used. But you know how I said producer Brian would kill me if I mentioned brand? Yeah. Okay. Please spare your parents the smell of Axe if you are a young male child. (laughs) So Axe, for those of you who don't know, Axe body spray, some young people think that it immediately transforms them into like a 25-year-old TikTok star by putting it on their bodies. They're pretty sure it covers every bad smell. And the thing is, it doesn't. It just combines with every bad smell to make this epically gnarly smell of Axe. Sorry, Axe is never going to advertise on this podcast, are they? Yeah, I'm um, willing to forego that that income. But I, I do want to talk, let's take a, a quick detour for deodorants. Because if yes. we're talking about smell, right? And we're saying you've got to wash your body with soap. And let's be really clear. Once a day, a good soapy bath or shower. Okay, yep. For kids who are athletes who sweat and smell a lot, some of them want to shower twice a day. If, if your skin can tolerate it and you don't have super dry, eczematous skin, okay, maybe all you need is what we call a sponge bath from when you were a baby, right, which is right. washcloth with some soap and warm water in the stinky parts. And the stinky parts are the parts that are extra sweaty because they're hidden from air and sunshine. So armpits, groin, feet. Those are the parts they they tend to be two of three get hairy, right? All three of three are covered and don't circulate air well at all, which is why those are the three smelliest parts on the body. But let's talk about soap on genitals because um, we've talked on other episodes about not using soap on vulvas and in vaginas. And I just want to clarify that. So let's start with the most invasive things are absolute no's. So for people with vaginas, there are products called douches that clean your the inside with... And this is, we're doing quote clean, unquote, air quotes, clean, air quotes. And they are a no-go. Your body does not need you to take any kind of liquid that is in a bottle and squirt it inside your vaginal opening in order to be clean. Your vagina cleans itself. And it's so, a self-cleaning oven. It is the self-cleaning world's cleaning oven. self-cleaning oven. So, so that's a no-go. Then soap, you know, I, advice really varies here. Soap is designed for external use. So you wouldn't wash the inside of your mouth out with soap, right? Not use toothpaste for that. Likewise, I don't recommend putting soap in any other orifice. So I would not recommend in the inside of the labia or in the inside of the vagina or in the inside of the anus. I wouldn't put soap in any of those places. But on the outside, so on the external labia, the labia majora, which are the bigger lips of of the vagina or on the shaft of the penis and around the testicles, a little bit of soapy water is absolutely fine and safe. But we do know that because of vaginal discharge, there can be some sort of white, you know, goopyish stuff that collects inside the labia minora in those inner folds. So how do you recommend parents teach their kids how to clean that gently? Because that's also really sensitive, thin skin that we want to take care of. I'm going to answer that, but the Answer is very similar for uncircumcised penises. So when the foreskin is pulled over the head of the penis, you can get the same sort of whitish buildup. And this is very, very important. When it comes to labia, 
you can either use a damp washcloth and gently wipe the area, or some people feel more comfortable just using fingers and sort of cleaning the area with clean fingers in a bath or shower. Both are great. Okay. No scrubbing. Right. For foreskin, do not force the foreskin to retract in order to clean because what can happen is that the area can get inflamed and when things get inflamed, they get swollen. And if you've pulled back foreskin, if you forced it back in order to try to clean the area and then you get swelling, the foreskin can actually get stuck in the retracted position and that can create a tremendous amount of pain. And it can, you know, in some cases it becomes medically urgent that you end up at a urologist's office and you end up having to manage a foreskin that is stuck. And so for penile cleaning, we usually recommend exactly what we recommend for labial cleaning, which is just very gently, whatever moves, moves. You use water, you, you know, irrigate a little bit, but no soap into the area, no pulling, no scrubbing. And for people with vaginas and labias, that if you use your fingers to gently clean out you know, what's left of the vaginal discharge, you may also need to specifically say to your kid, hey, it's okay to touch your vagina and your vulva. There's nothing wrong with it because a lot of kids think, oh, it's naughty or it's bad. They've gotten the message and therefore, you know, and then as they get older, if they want to use, you know, a diva cup or a tampon, sometimes that will involve actually putting your hands or fingers inside your, your vagina. So you might have to explicitly say, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. It's actually totally okay. Yeah, I think that's really important. Now we took a, a sharp turn. We took a sharp deodorant. turn to genitals from can we, deodorant. Can we go to deodorant for a Let's second? Let's go to deodorant. And I want you to hit one very important topic. Sure. It's a controversial topic, which is sure. to aluminum or not to aluminum, to antiperspirant or not to antiperspirant. Quick definition of terms before we get to the controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to go straight for the controversy. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so boring being my kid. Let me tell you, my kids are like, enough with the definition of terms. Deodorant deodorizes. Antiperspirant is against perspiration. So when you see a product that is labeled as antiperspirant and deodorant, and most of them are, they have both of those terms, It's because there are two mechanisms of action. One is something in the product that stops your sweat glands from sweating. That's the antiperspirant, okay? It slows down the volume of liquid that is coming out wherever you apply the deodorant. Then there's a second ingredient. That ingredient is designed to deodorize, to take the odor away. If you remember from my very quick 30-second description of what happens in these glands, right? The body in puberty puts more oil and more water out through the pore onto the skin. Bacteria that live on the skin then eat the proteins in that sweat. And it's when the bacteria digest the proteins, break the proteins down, that they emit a smell that we call body odor. So the antiperspirant slows down the volume of liquid being released, which is then going to give less protein for the bacteria to eat. Therefore, the bacteria won't eat as much and won't emit as much of that smell. The deodorant actually counters that smell that comes from the bacteria consuming the protein. So two different mechanisms of action. And some products are just antiperspirant and some are just deodorant, but most are both. And just a side note, Kelly Fraden on another episode that we did, also a pediatrician, talks about two ingredients she likes for biological males to avoid, tea tree oil and lavender. And actually, I'd say most people would say, I think Kelly actually said this, doesn't matter your gender. Those are oh, both. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. They, I can't remember if she said that. Okay. They can both be pro-inflammatory, which is really interesting. And so what we see, you know, there, there are benefits to these ingredients in certain situations, but 
particularly if you have a young child, an infant or a toddler, so many of those products have mm-hmm. lavender in them. Yeah. And the lavender has been well-documented to cause so many of the skin issues like eczema and allergy. So lavender and tea tree oil, you gotta, you do actually have to watch. And sesame is also added to a lot of products. And that's another one to keep your eye on. But let's get to your aluminum question. So for years, I would actually say for decades, there has been a rumor circulating online and in life that aluminum and breast cancer are directly associated and that aluminum in antiperspirants and deodorants and aluminum is an effective ingredient in all the mechanisms that we talked about, right? That it's the aluminum in these products that gets absorbed in the skin and has a direct connection with the development of breast cancers. That's the rumor. There is a lot of data that aluminum, while there are lots of issues with aluminum in the body, uh, particularly some connection between aluminum and Alzheimer's disease, memory issues, aluminum in antiperspirants and deodorants that is absorbed through the skin has never been directly associated with the development of breast cancers. I'm sure someone listening will send us an email with a link to a study. And I get that. This is a place where we will see lots more data collected and appropriately so. Aluminum is a heavy metal. And you know what? If you can avoid aluminum in your products, great. Avoid aluminum. I don't use aluminum foil in my house anymore. There are good reasons to avoid aluminum, but I don't think that it has earned the reputation it has. And in fact, I worry that we're so focused on the aluminum question that we're missing something else in other products we use that could be a contributor. So we have spoken with Louise Greenspan, an incredible endocrinologist who wrote the book, The New Puberty. And one of the things that she studies and she writes about endlessly is this quest to identify what is it that we are putting into or onto our bodies that's causing the problem. We don't have specific answers yet. And I just can't yet tell people, yes, it's aluminum. So get rid of everything with aluminum and you're going to be good. That we're not there yet with our data. But that is the controversy That is the issue. I will say as a side note that the cleanest deodorants out there, there's a new generation of really clean deodorants that are great, but the cleanest deodorants out there for a long, long time simply didn't work. And so that was another problem was that people felt they were given a false choice. Use something safe that's not going to work or use something dangerous that would. And I, I would just argue, we don't know how dangerous. And by the way, the safe stuff has gotten better and better and better. Yeah, I mean, I don't use aluminum in my deodorant because it it makes my skin dry and itchy. And if I use it even for a day, it's like for three days, I'm then like, you know, an orangutan itching under my armpits. It's a really good look. The other thing is the the gender differences, right? The marketing of deodorant or antiperspirant to males and females. Weird is that? It's so, it's such BS. Like I use male deodorant. My daughter uses male deodorant. My boys can buy into some of the, you know, marketing of like masculinity and some of the deodorants. My husband steals my deodorant. I mean, it's, there's no, there's no reason for gendered products in this area, except for, you know, advertising firms. Correct. Correct. And I feel like Gen Z is leading the way on getting rid of those distinctions. Hooray for Gen Z. But um, it's time for all of us to sort of wise up to the fact that there is no no gendered deodorant that works, you know, secret made for a woman. That that whole campaign oh my is God. so crazy. Oh my God. Um, but, you know, we should talk about acne yes. um, and face care because this is a little more gendered and it shouldn't be, but it's a little more gendered because the driver of acne Generally speaking, one of the biggest players in acne is testosterone, which all genders have testosterone in circulating in their body and at all ages. But the teenage 
boys have, and 20 something young men have the highest levels of testosterone. And remember, testosterone is surging. There's a high and then it drops and then it surges again and then it drops in. That's because of all these feedback loops in the body. And we know that testosterone is a significant driver of acne. And we also know, because we've now talked about it three times in this podcast, (laughs) the pore secretes water and oil. And remember I described that it looks like a chemistry flask, that pore. Yes. The reason understanding this visual is important is that you got water and oil filling up the base, okay? And then you have a couple of dead skin cells or a big wad of dirt or something on your skin that's blocking the opening of the pore. And the water and the oil are filling up from the bottom and they have no way out if the top is is covered. And so you eventually get kind of a volcanic situation where everything from the bottom of the pore starts to go up the narrow, narrow part of the flask. And I'm using my hands like crazy and I keep touching my microphone, which is so funny to me. <laughs> no one can see me, but I'm like all hands in this description. So the flask is full and you get one of two things that happen. One is that you get a little mountain that forms at the top of the flask. That's the zit that you see on the face. It's generally a whitehead. Um, It can be surrounded by redness, erythema, because of inflammation. The other thing that can happen is that bottom of the flask, which is the rounded bigger base, can get so full that it explodes like a broken trash bag. It just, that's where everything releases. And that's actually more common than seeing sort of all the under the skin, under the skin, it goes, instead of coming up and out, like we normally see as it, it goes down. And when that happens, then the immune system comes in and is like cleanup time and brings in all of its inflammatory cells. And that's where you get that really splotchy, irritated looking skin because you have your immune system coming to clean up something that's not super obvious on the surface, but it's all related to this flask, this pore being filled with oil and water and the top being plugged by either some dead skin cells or dirt or both. And so one must wash their face in order to keep the pore open, to keep the lid off, okay? But if you overwash your face, it can create more problems because it can create its own inflammation and irritation, which ends up clogging those pores. Also, when kids are washing their faces and they're still getting acne, I think there's like this accusatory culture around kids and acne where it's like, I mean, granted, I just mentioned it earlier where I was like, hey, have you washed your face like in the last week? But there is this culture of shame like for kids with acne and like they're not clean and they're not taking care of themselves and they're dirty and like that it's just not fair. I mean some of these kids may not be washing their faces fine but like talk about why it's it's really not their fault that this is going on. Well, for all the reasons we just described why it happens, it's not their fault, right? It's hormonally mediated. And you know, people used to say it's what you eat. Well, you know, if I eat pizza, I'm going to break out. Actually, if you put your hand on a slice of pizza, you get the oil all over your hand and you rub the oil all over your face, then maybe you're going to break out because of what you ate. That's our next episode. 100%. (laughs) Generally speaking, you know, the, the diet only contributes to acne insofar as if you're eating a really unhealthy, highly processed diet, then your body may be experiencing some low-grade chronic inflammation all the time. Mm. So when you get this congestion in your pores, which almost every teenager gets, and you have an eruption either out on the skin or deep under the skin, if you're already kind of chronically inflamed, everything can look worse because the inflammation goes from like a six to a 10 instead of from a one to a four, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm making up those numbers. That's like on a scale of Cara to Cara. Of like you know? random to random. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you see where I'm going. So, so what does that conversation sound like, right? We've got kids I've noticed and your 
explanation about testosterone actually helps this, that it's actually the older boys, like the older teens where I've noticed more acne and more inflammation of the skin rather than like a 12-year-old boy. It's more like a 17-year-old boy. But again, our goal is not to shame. Our goal is to help and support and have a constructive conversation with our kid. And I know you're going to tell me it depends on your kid, but let's imagine we have a fairly typical teenage boy who doesn't really want our input and isn't super thrilled to talk about his changing body with us. But we can imagine is probably feeling a little self-conscious about you know the newly erupted zits on his face um, that maybe weren't there a year or two ago. So what does that sound like? How do we, how do we start that conversation? Vanessa, I need you to do this one because I have screwed this up so many times in so many different ways in my house. You know, they get face acne, they get acne, yeah. acne on your back, acne on the chest, little crops, big crops. It never feels good. And I need the wisdom of Vanessa <laughs> to lead this part of the conversation because I feel like you do it better. I think we should do a whole skin episode because we also want to talk about hair removal and all of that stuff. And we want to get in more depth about taking care of acne and all of those things. If there's genetic stuff that goes on in our families, how that comes into play. Anyways, I guess the first thing would be not to necessarily assume that it's bothering our kid, right? So like the conversation probably shouldn't start with, I'm sure this is really upsetting to you and I'm bet it's keeping you awake at night and making you hide your face in school every day. So like, let's deal with your acne, right? Like our starting place... I'm, I'm only laughing because maybe some version of that has happened in my house. <laughs> and, I, and, and you know what? It's like, you know, when you know you're going down the wrong road and... And you can't stop. And you're just like digging deeper. And you're your just kid, like, I'm, I'm all in. And, and your kid is giving you every clue that you're doing this wrong, 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 like including looking at you first like you're crazy and then actually crying. And then you're still... Got, because, this comes from, because this comes from a place of love. Parents who don't know how to talk to their kids about acne are simply trying to protect their kid from every single shaming instance that they're worried about. And of course they don't realize they're shaming their kids while they're doing that. And so I'm just saying, you know, that sounds familiar. That that <laughs> wrong way, you know, come, it didn't come from a bad place, but it sounds familiar. So could you right. tell us? And that's true, by the it? way, of every conversation we have with our kids, we're trying to do the best that we can and we're definitely going to mess up. So cut yourself some slack if you have or in the future, will use that particular tactic. So we don't want to assume it's bothering them, but we do want to open the door for them to talk about it if it is bothering them. So it kind of might sound something like, hey, I noticed that your skin's looking kind of different and I'm wondering how you're feeling about that. And is there anything, any way, any questions you have or any way I can help? And just like leaving the door open. Not all of us are pediatricians like Cara who can explain the science in depth, but you can play this episode for your kid. You can grab a good book, Cara's books on puberty. You can look it up on the internet and explain, get those one of those little visuals about the flask-like pour. And I also think that this is a moment where it's okay to talk about our own experiences if we were someone who struggled with acne. Or if you weren't. Or if you weren't. So I didn't have acne. I have more zits as a 45-year-old than I ever had as a 16, 17, 18-year-old. And so I, you can say something like, hey, I actually don't know what it feels like because this wasn't something that I dealt with. I dealt with other challenges in puberty. So I don't know what it feels like. I'm curious, like what's going on for you? And is there some way I can help? Or do you have any questions? Or at one of my kids, I said, you know, does anyone, he came home and said, oh, the girls told me to get this for my zits, right? So there's yeah. all of those kinds of gentle, non-judgmental ways in. And I just want to add that if you do screw up the conversation, which I have done many times, it still becomes clear to your kid that you care. 
So you always want to apologize. You always want to stop when you realize you're messing it up and apologize afterwards for getting it wrong. I think that's a a critical piece to this conversation around hygiene in general, but it's very, very important to remember that the net sum total of these conversations with your kids is going to result in your kid knowing you care. And so in my own home, I messed up the conversation, as I've told you many, many times, but eventually for one of my kids, there were some real self-esteem issues around skin and skincare. And we were able to have a conversation and I was able to go and find a dermatologist who could handle the situation because I had tried to open that door so many times in so many wrong ways that it was clear I cared about it. I want to wrap this up with a bow, but before we do, two seconds on what your dermatologist will tell you, okay? Sneak peek. Sneak peek. (laughs) The dermatologist will say that you need to wash the face with a gentle cleanser, like the soap issue, it should have very little in it, twice a day, morning and night. Morning, it should be followed at some point in the routine by a sunscreen. And kids are very afraid of sunscreen because they think it'll make them break out, but the dermatologist can talk them through that. At night, by a moisturizer. In between the cleansing and the moisturizer or sunscreen, Many kids will be started either on a retinol or on benzoyl peroxide or some combination of these ingredients. Really, it's just a best guess which one to try first. And if that doesn't work, you'll flip. And if that doesn't work, there'll be some combination. Depending upon the skin type, depending upon the zit type, there will be more specific drivers. We made fun of Clearasil in the very beginning of the podcast. And I want to circle back to that as a point of closure because Clearasil did something amazing in the 70s and 80s. Clearasil taught us that if you wipe your skin and dry it out with an alcohol-based substance and make your skin so, so dry, all of your zits will disappear within 24 hours. What Clearasil did not teach us is that as a result of that, the sebaceous glands under the skin will go crazy and think there is a five alarm fire and they have to put out as much oil as humanly possible. And you will often break out twice as badly in 48 to 72 hours because your skin reacts to being over dried. And so the one piece of advice that pediatricians and dermatologists give every single time is be very careful about products that are alcohol-based because they over dry the skin And believe it or not, moisture is your friend when you're managing oil. And it's a hard concept to get. But long story short, let a dermatologist help you if your child's struggling with acne. It's important. Sub yourself out. Yep. All right. So practical puberty takeaway. What would you say to our listeners? What's the nugget? the golden nugget, as Sarah Milken would say, that you want to take away? So I think it's a 30,000 foot view for me. Hygiene has all of these elements, right? We've talked about a few of them. There are more that we haven't covered. But if you look at just keeping your body clean, there's real benefit to teaching kids, not just how to do it, but empowering them to build it into their daily routine and carve out a little time to do it, it becomes something that changes their self-esteem over time. It is appropriate. In fact, I would encourage it to tell your kid that. I know it's a hard conversation to have, but we all feel insecure about certain things in our body. These are things we can control. And so I want to empower you to take control. Here's how I would suggest you start. If you have ideas in return, let me know. And I would just piggyback on that, which is to explain the science of what's happening in their body so that it's not this grand mystery that's just like sort of happening to them, but that there are explanations and processes that they can wrap their heads around and it becomes less mysterious. And 
then what we're asking them to do, i.e. use soap on their armpits, actually makes sense as opposed to just yet another parental request that's like annoying and takes them away from the stuff they'd rather be doing. And the fun next chapter is they will criticize your hygiene. 100%. They will tell you the ways in which you're poisoning your body or you're not taking good care. And that's great because that's progress. My daughter looked at me the other day. She goes, I think the circles under your eyes have gotten even bigger, mom. And I, you know, was like, yeah, they probably have. Thank you so much for pointing that out. I hadn't noticed. Wink, wink. Yes, the criticism is always a joy. So more, if you have specific questions on hygiene that we did not cover today, we will do more on this specifically on skin. So please feel free to be in touch with us with any specific questions and we are happy to cover them next time. Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.